episode six of the Project Football Podcast. In this episode, I'll be chatting to singer-songwriter Dean Dovey about his music and his beloved Birmingham City. There's also another offering from footballpoets.org and Dean makes his choices for for, for you. Time for kickoff. Welcome to the Project Football Podcast, Dean Dovey. Hey, what, Mark? You all right? Yeah, good. Yourself? Yeah, not too bad, mate. Yeah. Uh, nice pot of Guinness I got next to me. Yeah, I hope it's chilled. Actually, it's not as cold as it should be because I've only just come back from the supermarket, but I couldn't Fair wait. Got to, got to get it open. That's so it. Yeah. We'll, we'll let you off then. Um, <laughs> so you are a uh, to use the a singer songwriter. Yeah, that's great. Um, yeah. How did how did that come about? You want to give us a bit of background to your musical? Uh, so um, I had a little bit of a dabble in music when I was a, I don't know, about at nineteen twenty. I, I was in a band for a short while. I was just a singer. Um, I couldn't play an instrument then, uh, and we played some horrendous music. To be fair, we played some good stuff, but we also played some shockers. <laughs> Uh, I remember being in a pub in Birmingham playing and we were playing I've had the time of my life at Dirty Dancing yeah and I look back and I just think what on earth were we doing nobody uh, trusted go, lift, did play, they yeah we, we'd, <laughs> we'd play like a Smith song like we had some good songs and we'd play a Smith song and then next minute we'd play that at the time it seemed the right idea <laughs> but Looking back, um, I just think, what on earth was I doing? So if you could make your <laughs> Weren't my idea, idea that time. No, that's, that's fair. <laughs> so, um, obviously... So, now... yeah, I had a little bit of double. Uh, the, the guitarist was a really good guitarist, and it was about the time when uh, Wonderwall came out, and I got quite obsessed with that song. So I asked my guitarist, I said, can I show me how to play it? And, like, it kind of showed me. It is... At the time, it seemed impossible, but looking back now, it's quite an easy song to play. Um, and that was the beginning of it, really. So I did learn it on, on this acoustic guitar, which was, the strings were about a mile off the fretboard. <laughs> and uh, I looked down and I, when I was trying to play it and there was blood all over the <laughs> all over the guitar from my fingers. Because uh, you have to hold down the really thin strings all the way through. Right. And there was just blood everywhere. <laughs> but uh, determination got me. And I could, I did learn to play it, but that was the, that was the only thing I could play. And then um, I met a woman and then things went in a different direction for about eight, nine years. And I didn't really touch music at all then. I ended up having a greenhouse, would you believe? It's a bit of a change of pace, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but... Yeah, it's quite weird. I mean, I look back and I think, what on earth was I doing? Um, I suppose if you hadn't have had the greenhouse, you wouldn't be doing what you're doing now, would you? Well, yeah. So I suppose you, you don't get a greenhouse. You're a pensioner, I suppose. But I've kind of done it the other way around. <laughs> That's it. So you're obviously branched out on your own. Is, that, is it literally just you? Or have you got like a, a backing band as well? So um, I think it was about 12, 12 years ago, roughly. I'd... I'd moved over to Tamworth 
because um, I grew up in Great Bar in Birmingham, not far from the Villa Ground, unfortunately. Um, and uh, I ended up in Tamworth. And I started going to Tamworth College, where this guy would just teach you. He didn't teach you the, the techniques of guitar. He just taught you how to play songs. Right. It was quite good, actually. So and it was in a class. And uh, so I just started learning again. And it, I seemed to pick, pick it up quite fast. And then, uh, then I was like, I'd be sat at home and I'd be thinking, I can play this, I can play that. And I'm thinking, I need, the next step is to get in a pub and start playing live in front of people. Um, but it didn't happen for a while. And then I met this guy. I end up moving house. And I, the guy over the road, who's just over there, um, he's a guitarist. And we ended up starting a covers band. Uh, and that's kind of where I kind of learnt my craft, really, just playing other people's tunes. Yeah. Which is kind of what everyone else does, I suppose. Um, and we'd just be playing pubs, playing indie music. Uh, you know, you'd have some fantastic nights where it was absolutely pub was rammed in Tamworth or wherever. And then you'd have all the nights where there was about two people in there. <laughs> and you're kind of thinking, should I be charging the pub out every month you're getting paid? <laughs> um, so we did that. And then my daughter was born not long after that. And it was, I don't think it was weird because after then I seemed to, um, I used to play my guitar at home all the time. And I used to think, oh, I really would love to write a song and nothing would ever come. It was like, like, it was like, I felt like it was impossible. It's almost like Even rock. No matter how hard I tried, I just could not get any words out, any melody out. It was just nothing. And then it was like a, a light switch. My daughter was born. And I, about a week after then, I just started to be playing the guitar. And it's all of a sudden I started writing music and lyrics and they, they weren't that great but it was a start and so you got the ball rolling for you and it kind of got the ball rolling and then like, the more i did it the better the songs got and then i started playing a few of them with the covers band and they seemed to go all right And then, and then it kind of, it kind of like progressed from there. And then I ended up joining a um, an originals band, and they were all, the guys were all from Hinkley. Um, and we did all right. It didn't last that long. And then we saw me and the guitarist and the bass player. We branched off to make another covers band. That one went better. I mean, we got played on uh, BBC Cough, Coven Warwick introducing and all that quite a bit. They're not a bad platform. So uh, it is. didn't get any further than that. And um, and then, like, it, just like most bands, you just get fed up with each other. And especially, that you know, I'm not exactly 
I'm not a youth anymore, you know, I'm like 43. Um, and so like, you know, you got family and you got got your wife, you got your kids, you got a dog and all the other crap that's going on. And, and you sort of like, you get on the end of your tether quite a bit faster than you would have done when you was a youth. Yeah. And uh, so I ended up, we just start, we just parted and then, um, and then I was just sat at home and I was thinking, what, what next, you know? And I just thought, well, well, I've got all these songs that sat there. Why don't I just start doing it myself? Let's get away tonight on a restless drive And we won't stop on our journey to the sun And then I happened to get in contact with this guy. He's called Jason Edwards. He was in a band called Wolfsbane, who I got something to do with Iron Maiden. Okay. That's not a bad link to have, really, is it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, this guy, the guy who I worked with, Jason Edwards, he, he, um, he's played at the Brits, I think in yeah. 90 or 91. He's got a lot of posters of it on his wall in his Where we Record. And... Uh, He's his lead singer replaced Bruce Dickinson when he left Die Maiden. He's a brummie, actually. Blaze Bailey, I don't know if you've heard of him. I, I haven't, but um, my other ass brothers are big into Iron Maiden, so they definitely will have. Yeah, Blaze Bailey. And um, so, anyway, this guy is like, it's like walk, you're walking, you're recording in his dining room, and you walk in, and it's almost like um, you're going into like a shop full of ingredients it's got every ingredient possible and it's just basically it's like right you've got i'll go in with my song and it's like right i want that 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 and he just makes it all happen Hidden open sides, the color in black and white what a wondrous place to And then, and then it's that's, and it's so much fun. We we do a lot. Record a song in one day, and um, and it's just it's great fun. It's it's like we have such a laugh, and it's so like it feels so great when you come out after the end. You go in about nine, ten o'clock. You come out about four o'clock, and you've got this, you've got everything down, and then he starts mixing it, and he'll send you like he'll fly over like versions over to me and he like do you think to this I'll be like no drums up bass down and stuff like that and then like um but that's kind of like where I am at the minute but at the moment I can't go in his house because of this covid thing all the restrictions so. and that yeah but I suppose once you are allowed to it'll sort of all get going again yeah yeah uh, I think he said something like end of April um we might be able to do something but I spoke to him the other day. We're looking at trying to do it remotely. So yeah. I record at home and send him the bits that I do and then he'll he get it set up over there. Yeah. yeah. So we're good. looking at that. I bought a new new mic. Hopefully it'll come soon. And then, because I've got a new song and I, I can't get it out of my head. 
which has got to be a good sign. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I, I need to get it out there because it's driving me insane. All I, all I can think about is this new song. I'm coming back down to earth From the mother of all bad days If only If you could catch your dreams Would you put them in a jar If only Well, you hear stuff like that, you? like people have left the recorder going and they're singing like a melody as they're walking out of the room. They come back to the recorder. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. they're like, oh, actually, yeah, that sounds all right. And, you know, hits are born from there, potentially. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, all, all my ideas come when I'm walking the dog. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm, I get me, I get an idea. I'm just walking along and I get an idea. And I'll just, I'll get my phone out and I'll like, I'll make it out. I'll, I'm making a phone call, but I'm not. I'm actually humming the melody <laughs> into my phone or I'm singing some kind of words or whatever. Just and so you don't like, forget I'll, it. That's it. Yeah. yeah. I've got, to, I've got absolutely tons of stuff like that. Tons of it. I, I was, some of it is absolutely appalling. <laughs> that's where you filter <laughs> out that from the, the, the better stuff, don't you? That's it. Yeah. But for every lot, like, I'd say for every like 10, 12, Bits of rubbish, there's one gem in there. Yeah. And then once I get home, I can start to piece it together with a guitar and stuff like that. Excellent. As I look in your eyes, I am moments from the tide. Stop to be denied every So, moving on to what you've come on for then, um, the football side of things. Yeah. So, you are a Birmingham City fan. Unfortunately. <laughs> uh, that's something, you know, people choose to admit to or not at the moment, but I'm in the same boat myself as an Albion fan, so, you know, I share your pain. But you um, are still still just about in the Premier League. Yeah, not for much longer. But um, when did you start following them? So how did that come about? Actually, I actually looked, took this the other, the other day, actually. I think it was from actually talking to you. Uh, it was 1991 season. Yeah. And we were in Division 3. So League 2 now. I believe no, it's League well, no One league now, one. isn't it? Yeah, League One, no League One, sorry. Yeah, so the third tier. Yeah. So that's quite quite a thing actually to support start supporting the team when they're that, say, that low down. Starting at the bottom, yeah, definitely. That's yeah. Uh, that, that takes were, some commitment. Yeah, and they were absolutely rubbish then as well. I think they're only like hovering around mid table. And uh, my dad took me to. My dad is like a massive Blues fan. He grew up in Neatles. Mm. Right opposite the co-op dairy, which is gone now. Uh, but you could see St Andrews from his his window, and uh, he he said it to me that he used to knock about with Trevor Francis before Trevor Francis um, got in the first team. Right, so that would have been like the early seventies. Playing around in the streets. Yeah, um, I suppose that's what they all did in it. The old footballers. It weren't like. 
It was a bit real then, wasn't it? Yeah, I was going to say they wouldn't have been protected like they are these days. From they would have been down the pub and everything. And yeah, thought they'd had like five pints of booze before the night before the game, wouldn't they? You know, so they turn like, up players like the old Frank Worthingtons. Yeah, turn up to training with a cigarette on the go or something. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that, that was like they were real then, wouldn't they? Like now it's all a bit. They're not fairies a bit. There's there no social media or like camera phones back then. There wasn't. So yeah. if someone saw someone doing something, yeah, they had to rely on people believing them, didn't they? That they saw, yeah. you know, X Y Z. Yeah, yeah. So he was a, a massive blues fan. Like obviously, I, I, I grew up in Great Bar, which is not a good area for if you're a Birmingham City fan. <laughs> I think I was the only one in my class at school that was a Birmingham City fan. <laughs> But until 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 a few years later, when they all started coming out of the woodwork, and they were a bit afraid. Um, so yeah, I just followed my dad. That was it, really. And he took me to my first game. My first game was going to be Bradford at home, and it got cancelled. There was some bad weather, um, and it ended up. My first game was at home to Wigan Athletic. Hardly a classic, is it? Really? <laughs> right. <laughs> And all I remember is he took me to the old blue shop, which actually used to be a house then, painted blue, right next to the cop. And it was, I remember thinking, God, this place is just a dump. <laughs> There's probably a few that still say about it now, but... Yeah, yeah. I, I, mean, I remember it's like the old cop, uh, the old cop. It was like... Um, it's almost like there's like he, when he's got, if he used to go now, you've got all that car park and the nice stand and everything. But then it was like a mound of grass with a, a roof on the top. And then obviously on the other side, you've got, got all the terraces. But I mean, we always stood on the corner of the cop and the Tilton. And I remember looking down the cop thinking, God, this place is empty. But then I remember turning right to the tilt and where all the hard, the hard blue noses were. And it was absolutely rammed. And they were going berserk. Is that the end that's behind the goal? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then in the tilt, because the tilt has always been like the stand where the main blue noses go. Yeah. And then it was split in half then for away fans. And I used to think, why would you put away fans in the tilt? It's, it's madness. And there was I met that, and that was when they still had all the fences before the Hillsborough thing. Yeah. So there was fences going up at the front, and I, I just remember I, I remember it like yesterday. It was such a dull game. It was nil nil. I was still a young kid. I think I was running up and down the length of the cup with your dad's mate's son. <laughs> That's how interesting. Just, it was. just as something to do to take your mind off the yeah. boring game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was my first game. Yeah, okay. we did get better because we ended up going Wembley that year. But that, say, um, um, yeah, because I mean, it, it was well, since the turn of the century. I mean, you, you've not done too badly to start with. Because I mean, you got to the League Cup final in two thousand and one, didn't you? Against That's Liverpool. It, yeah, yeah, we went to that. That was only lost on penalties, which I think, as much of a sickener as it is, you know, being in the well, what is now the Championship at the time. Yeah. yeah, you got to a League Cup final. You were pushing for promotion as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, so it could have been a double whammy. That was kind of like the, the good... That was when it was starting to get good because you had the 
Brady and uh, Sullivan and the Gold Brothers. Yeah, because Trevor Francis was in charge at that point, wasn't he? So he's yeah, sort of Francis one that's come from manager. player to, to yeah. manager. And we actually, I remember watching that and we actually played really well that game. I was beyond the goal of um, the penalty. Uh, Darren Purse. Darren Purse, yeah. I've, I've made a few notes on that. Yeah, Darren Purse, Darren 90, 90, five, 90 minutes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I was right beyond the goal for that. It was like, we all just went crazy. I can imagine. And uh, and I still think we had a, we would have had a great chance of going through, or winning it, sorry, if they took the penalties at the other end. They took them. They took the penalties in front of all the Liverpool fans. Right. So you think if you'd have had the advantage of having yeah. them in front of the Blues fans? Yeah. I, I just. I think our players just fell to pieces with it. So uh, got to, but got if to it was in front of the Blue Noses, we would have sucked that ball in and put the scousers off. So one collective and, uh, breath. Yeah. yeah I mean, the, the thing was, I look back at that, and I don't think I don't even think Liverpool deserved to win it. It was quite an even game considering. That was Gerard Houllier, wasn't it, manager? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was the late Gerard Houllier. Um, because in that season, uh, I think you've I've got written down, you lost in the playoffs because you finished fifth. So yeah. still for a, you know, a football league team to get to a domestic cup final and yeah. you know, compete in the playoffs, that's still not a, a bad season, is it? Because yeah, you yeah. went up the following year. Again, I think it, I'm pretty sure that was the season we in the playoffs. We got absolutely hammered by Barnsley. I think I've got a feeling that was Barnsley. I've got they absolutely hammered us. I've got Preston written down. Is it Preston? Yeah, it was someone from Can't the north anyway. Can't, Can't remember. But no, um, let's say you had... I, me- I remember. I remember there was one year where we had Barnsley in the playoffs, and um, is it Dave Bassett? Is it Dave Bassett? What's his name? I think he's... The guy, what, he was the, what was the guy that managed Wimbledon all the way up, for, up the divisions? Um, the, oh, what was his name? I know Joe Kinnear was at Wimbledon for ages, weren't he? But I yeah, don't know if it was him. It was before him. Top of me, I couldn't tell you. He was right. He was proper cockney geezer. Could have been Dave Bassett. That does that would that would make sense. I'm sure it was Dave Bassett. I'm sure it was. And, and they absolutely hammered us, I remember. It was something like... 3-0 at St Andrews and whatever it was at their Oakwell. Yeah. Can't remember what year that was, but that was around that time. I'm sure it was. And so, because you had uh, another trip to a final, didn't you, in the uh, the following season for yeah. the playoffs yeah. uh, against Norwich. Yeah, went to that. And so, I, I remember, because that was the same season that we went up as well, yeah. automatically. And I was in the same... House where I heard our game against Bradford on the radio. Um, yeah. it was at my mate's house who's a, a Blues fan, a lad called Ryan. Yeah. And then, obviously, a few weeks later, we were watching the uh, watching that final, and he went absolutely berserk when Carter scored that penalty. Yeah, as I can yeah, imagine, all... a lot of Brummies did. Yeah, yeah, we, we um, that was amazing. That was. I think we went we went there in the limousine. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember, um, I'm sure we saw Barry Fry on the way. I'm sure we did, if I remember rightly. I say he's a character, isn't he? We went past him on the motorway. We was, oh, there was a lot of traffic going that way. And like we pulled up alongside him. We were like, hey, Barry! And he was like, <laughs> like that. I'm sure it was. Because he weren't managing him. He was going down to do a bit of pundit 
punditry. Right. Because um, so, that was at Cardiff, wasn't it? That was the, the Cardiff, Millennium Stadium. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that was that was that was Steve Bruce. Of course, Steve was in a bit of a pickle at uh, Newcastle at the minute. And so it's not going great for him, but at least they've got their head above water for now. Yeah, yeah. Um, he, but a lot of on the Saturday night, Saturday nights, so and you look at social media, apps, Newcastle fans are actually gunning for him, aren't they? I've got my own things to worry about football wise, to be honest. So. <laughs> yeah. But, um, actually no. for him. Like, oh, there's a bloke at work who's a Newcastle fan, and uh, they just they hate him, even though he's like one of their own. <laughs> Thing is, though, he, he's got the ties to Sunderland as well, hasn't he? So, you know, that probably, yeah, yeah. you know, sours it a little bit. It's yeah. like when he took over at Villa and obviously yeah. there's some people that couldn't look past that he'd, you know, been at Blues, but... Yeah. You know, no, because he, didn't he play for you as well for a little bit? Bruce, Yeah. Yeah, I think he played for a season. And so it was towards the back end of his playing career, wasn't it? I think it was a season. Might have been a bit longer. I can't remember. But he was, I remember he was, he was class. He was class for us. And uh, even at that age, he was still brilliant. And so he'll um, have learned how to read the game, wouldn't he? Because, you know, he can impart yeah. that knowledge onto, you know, the younger players. Yeah, yeah, he was, he was, he was good. And that even then they were tipping him to be the next Blues manager. But I think he went, he went somewhere else. I'm sure, I'm sure we had him after Palace. Because he's managed, is it, uh... He managed Wigan as well, didn't he? Or was that after? That was after, after yeah. After, yeah, right. I'm sure, I'm pretty sure, correct me if I'm wrong, his first managerial job was Crystal Palace. That sounds sounds about right, yeah. And we poached him from there. I remember, I remember um, something went on with the owner of Palace and like there was something going on with Blues trying to poach him and they put him on gardening leave or something. Right. For ages or something like that. I'm sure I, that rings a bell to me. And then he, he, was, he was all right for Blues. He was just, um, he's just one of these negative football, you know, he, he just plays negative football. It, it's, we're going to go out and not lose, try not to lose. Yeah. He said that we're going to go out and try to win, which is I, what Karanka's doing now. Yeah, aim for the draw. Yeah, but oh, Karanka's on another level. And so you're not a fan of him then? He's, he's. I'd, I'd say. You know. You remember when Zola managed Blues and it was really bad. Yeah. But the thing with Zola was he was trying to trying to get poor players to play good football and attacking football, whereas Karanka is trying to get poor players to not lose. Yeah, to play poor football. Yeah. So at least he's matching uh, so the, the players' levels with the you know the ideas. <laughs> yeah. So some of the some of the football he's playing at the minute, and, and Blues fans are just at loggerheads to him because he's like, look at the last game for instance. We lost one nil at Barnsley. I think they scored quite early in the second half, and he still waited till after the, I think it was 70th minute to make any substitution. So you know, that game we had two shots. Off target, non on target, that was it. So you're never going to get a win with those stats, are you? No, no. I, and like, there's been times this season where he's actually gone out and played five at the back. I mean, like a, a flat back five sort of thing. Yeah. 
and, and you just think, how, how on earth are we going to... And there's poor old Scott Hogan running around at the front. He's just got no chance of scoring, has he? He's got no help whatsoever. No, not when you're going that negative now. But um, so going on to a sort of a bit more of a, a positive note, obviously you went up in that uh, playoff final thanks to uh, fellow Brummie Darren Carter. Yeah. And then first season back in the top flight, um, you had a couple of decent results against your local rivals, didn't you? Cunningham plays it in. Savage! Morrison! The freedom of the blue half of the city beckons for Clinton Morrison. If that turns out to be the winner, it's a goal of... Yes, we did, yeah. And here's Horsfield. Alpine's mistake. Jeff Horsfield! Yeah, that was the old um, Enkelman. Yes. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that was great. I remember watching that on the telly. I couldn't see when we went up. I couldn't even get in the games then because it was just sold out all the time. You had tickets like gold, didn't they? That first time round. Yeah, yeah. I think I think the first game of the season, I was working on a Saturday, and we were at home to Leeds. No, it wasn't. That was the second game. First game was away at Arsenal, and I thought. Jesus, that's when Arsenal were great. Yeah. You think, God's sake. I so, think we did quite well then. I, I think, can't remember the score, but we held them, I'm sure we held them like, for, for a while. Because did, did, did you beat Liverpool in that season as well? I think. I think so, yeah. I'm sure I'm sure we did, yeah. We, it, it, we, we started to like, turn St Andrews into a bit of a fortress then. And... The big team didn't like coming to St Andrews. Yeah, you've got to make all. it nasty for them, ain't you? Really? That's it. Yeah. Make them uncomfortable. Of course, we had, we had um, what was his what was his name of the long blonde there in the midfield? Um, Savage. Yes. Oh, yeah. The wind up merchant. Yeah, and he was absolute class. And and we had a great, um, we had a fantastic striker as well in uh, Mikel Forsell. Yes. It was a great. You know, we had Clinton Morrison. It was like a pain in the ass to defend against, and you had Jeff Horsfield, who was just a big uh, player. I say he's a battering ram, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, um, so, so I've got his name written down a couple of times, and one of them was for um, scoring in that first one against the Villa with the Enkelman yeah, yeah. goal. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I remember seeing that, and it's just like I can't imagine what. It must have been going through his mind when that ball went under his foot and passed him. It's just like uh, he probably still wakes up in a cold sweat now thinking about it. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> I bet from your side of things, you were over the moon, weren't you? Yeah, oh, it's got it's got to be the worst place to make a mistake like that when you're a Villa fan at St Andrews. Yeah, it's got to be. Oh, it's a disaster! It's coming off Ankerman. Mistakes sharpen decide these derby matches, and it's a tragic error from Enkelman that surely now gives Birmingham the derby win. Then, <laughs> you, can't, you can't get any worse, can you? Well, no, I was going to say, if you're going to make a mistake as a goalkeeper, the last place you want to do it is on enemy territory, so to speak. That's it, yeah. yeah. But then you turned up at their place 
And that was when um, this comes back to the whole Robbie Savage wind up thing. Not not that this yeah. was because he was winding up, but Dion Dublin got sent off for uh, the headbutt, didn't he? But looking at the tap, yeah. I was watching the video for this earlier, yeah. seeing if there was any sort of lead up to it. And to be fair, I think Dublin tried to break him in half pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Savage. Dublin took him very late and Savage was tempted to react but Mark Elsie intervened very quickly and oh well Savage has gone down did Dublin put his head into him he's holding his nose and the referee was right in the thick of it has got to calm this down and defuse the situation well, I think there was some contact there Theon Dublin was very annoyed about something Robbie Savage had said when he got up from that tackle. It was a reckless challenge, first of all, from Dion. He, he went to ground, something that you can't do these days. Chasing back on Savage. It's a red card! Dublin is judged the guilty party by Mark Halsey, and he's sent off. And he made- I, were, I think he'd already, like, I think he'd already premeditated what he, what he was going to try and do to Savage. It was a bit, it was a bit gobby when he Savage. Um, I think that's probably putting it politely. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, it was to me, he was he's a typical Birmingham City kind of character player. You know, he weren't I mean? he weren't afraid to get stuck in and put in the hard yards, yeah. was he? See, see, Birmingham City have never really. I don't know, maybe like the seven, when Francis was there, but we've never really been renowned for playing free-flowing passing football. Yeah. We've always been the type of club that sticks the boot in and makes everything really difficult. Sort of more suited to a, like a, a, a you know, pitch that's sort of cut up and boggy and rather than... Yeah, like a, yeah. Yeah, yeah we've always had a bit of a dodgy pitch and, and I, I think that's why Zola, when Zola came in, he, he just couldn't, you can't transform the club into this free-flowing passing football. And Harry Redknapp couldn't do it, and neither can Karanka. You know, they just can't change the DNA of BCFC. I don't know. It's weird. I was going to say, it's that deeply ingrained. It's going to be hard to sort of do anything with it. But yeah, it's it's we're going to put our boot in, and we're going to move it up, up top to the big bloke. That's it. I mean, you said a lot. Was it Nikola Zigic you had? Who's yeah, I see. Yeah, man mountain as well. Yeah, I mean, we've, we've quite often had big strikers, Zigic, uh, you know, and we've had um, in the old days like Bob Latchford. Yeah, it was uh, like just an another player. Kevin Francis as well was another. Job Kevin runner. Francis, yeah, he was like ridiculously tall. Uh, yeah. Um, sort of going back to Zigic, he was one of the ones that scored when you won the League Cup against Arsenal, wasn't he? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, he's, he got the opening goal. Yeah, yeah, he, he put you one nil up. Then was it Obafemi Martins? He, yeah, he got the winner. Got the winner. I, I think it was Van Persie that got the equaliser. Yeah. Um, but I remember I couldn't get a ticket to that. Could not get a ticket. Um, my dad tried, I tried. You just could not get one. There were a lot of gold dust, so I ended up watching it at home on a Sunday afternoon, but absolutely wasted. <laughs> and you can, you can imagine what I was like when Martin's put that ball in the net. <laughs> I think you just think you just hold on now, just hold on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah considering where I, when I first started supporting him at home to Wigan Athletic in the, the old Division 3. Yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> and then you're like, you're beating Arsenal in the League Cup final. It was... like 20 years later, you, you're winning a domestic cup because yeah. same season you obviously, well, you got relegated. But Exactly, yeah. yeah it's, it's sort of a, a, a double-edged sword, isn't it? Do you, yeah. would you rather have it, you know, win the cup, win a cup competition yeah. and go down or, you know, just about scrape survival and say, go out in the third round or something? Yeah. I mean, I, I think McLeish, I think if we had held on to McLeish the following season, I think we would have gone straight back up. But McLeish left for Villa, didn't he? Yeah. The next season. And we had Chris, Chris Hewton. Uh, and we did quite well. We were really close to going back up. But I just think with these parachute payments, once you, if you don't get back up straight away, then it starts sliding. Yeah. Because it, it was the last day of the season you went down, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, uh, away at Spurs. Yeah. I'm pretty sure we took the lead in that game as well. Yeah, I think you did. And then it, uh, I think Pavlichenko scored late on. Yeah. But you were relying on, I think, Wolves not to get anything against Blackburn. But even though they lost, yeah, you still went down because you lost, didn't you? I think if you'd have drawn, yeah. 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 you'd have stayed up on goal difference. Yeah. I think something like that, yeah. So that, that's just how tight it can be. You know, yeah. But, and since then... You haven't come back up, have you? It's been sort of a, a slippery. Uh, I think we had we had the following season, which was a good season. We should have gone up, we didn't, and ever since then it's just been diabolical. So gradually it's down been, ever since. Been quite painful being a, a blue nose. It really has. It's it just seems to get worse and worse every year. Do you think you'd, you'd be better off going down to League One and rebuild, sort of like Wolves did when they well, sort of did the you know double drop? I've heard a lot about that. It's in can't in a way you kind of think yes, but also I just think would we be able to survive the drop in money? Yeah. Because like division, I'm sure pretty you know League One hardly gets any t- TV rights. No. It's very small, and uh, and if all you got to do is look at Sunderland and Ipswich, they have been in there for a while. They just can't get out. It's a, it's a dogfight, isn't it, in League One? Yeah, and Portsmouth as well. They're still yeah. down there. They just can't seem to get out of it. Uh, and I just, I do worry if we do go down. I don't think we've got the the right players, or the right system in place to get us straight back up. Because this, the guy that owns us, these people that own us, I just, they're quite strange. You don't hear of them. You don't see them. Um, they say they've got money, but yet we still seem to be fighting debt off. It's, yeah, it's quite an odd system the way these guys won won the club. So when you've got owners that don't put any money in, as I know from that a lot, it's you know, yeah, all you can do really is there? No, but you know what you are you where Baggy's now at the bottom of. Nineteenth. Uh, have you got? Have you got any chance of staying up? Uh, mathematically, yes, but it, it's unlikely. Yeah. Yeah, we, we've got to win more games than we are at the moment. I think we've won three all season. Yeah. Um, and when you're at this stage, you need to have won, you know, a hell of a lot more than that. Yeah. But you know, it is what, what it is. What do, you, what do you make of Allardyce? Not a fan, in all honesty. Because. Um, 
when I when I when I was following blues in my early years, it was always known that the baggies always played the best passing football in the Midlands. That they were always known for playing free flowing passing football. And uh, that's far from the case. He's yeah. not for that, is he? <laughs> no. I mean, if you look at our team from the seventies, then yeah, you know, football then was great, but I think it's got gradually worse. We've had a couple of peaks. Yeah. Um, under the likes of you know Tony Mowbray, yeah. um, he likes to get the ball down, but you know at the moment, nah. Well, it, it, as long as you stay up, Blues is our local derby next season. Yeah. Um, well, I've got to be honest, I'm quite worried this season. I really am. I'm from what I'm seeing at the minute. I'm. I thought there was a chink of light because we won a couple. Um, but after losing to Barnsley, the way we lost to Barnsley last last week, it was. Really the thing you can you can accept defeat at times, but if you if the team don't apply themselves, then you just think, uh, what's the point? That's it, and it, you can't you can't escape the fact you know that the table doesn't lie, and the majority of the players we've got have been there for a few years, and every year we're fighting off relegation. So at some point, you have to question: Are these players actually not good enough for this league? So I just think it's time to sort of clear a few of them out and, and start from scratch. Yeah, I, I we've quite we've got quite an aging defence, and we we have got some really good talent in there. But with the Karanka not um, playing the right systems, or he's not making the right changes in games, and then you've got an aging defence. Um, it's just I just can't see us getting any picking that many points up. I really can't. And when you got Rotherham with that many games in hand, not. So as long as you era. pick up more points than three other teams, then you're all right, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, I suppose you got to be positive. There's always always the next game. I think there Crystal, is Crystal City tomorrow. So not an easy one either. Uh, but at home, that's the only problem I've got. At home, we're absolutely awful. Do you think it would have been different if you know if they all this hadn't have happened you know last year? And, you know, I think so. Yeah, there. because and I, I also I think if COVID wasn't here and you still have fans going in, I think Karanka probably would have left about six months ago because I don't yeah. think he would have handled the pressure. Do you think he'd have even had the job though? I think it, I think he took. I definitely think he wanted the job, but I think with a you know. 20,000 blue noses in there screaming at him to make a sub. Yeah. You know, it's going to take his toll on the guy. But at the minute, I've, I've, I read something. He's like, he sort of said that the players and him are in kind of a bubble. They're not paying any attention to any social media or anything. What's going on outside? So to me, that says they're completely unaware of what the fans are thinking about, of them. Yeah. Which is the thing I find quite weird. Really, you need to know what your fans are thinking and hear their opinions. I say, um, ironically, with when it was the start of the the lockdown last year, yeah. Um, I think the first game that was in lockdown was uh, Albion Blues. Yeah, that, I think that was our first game back, and it was a that was a board draw, wasn't it? Yeah, I think that was just because both teams, you know, have been off for so long trying to find their feet again and you know match yeah. pace and yeah. Definitely, yeah. Yeah, I'd say at this rate, might be playing you next season. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, well, that's, I just hope we stay up because, you know, I just think going down there is 
scary. Because I, I don't think that our finances are as good as they make out to be. Yeah. Would you say it's harder to get back out of League One to the Championship than it is back from the Championship to the Prem? Um, it could be, yeah, because I don't. For some reason, these these League Two to uh, League One teams, they seem to um, the majority of them play really good football because when they come up to the Championship, they seem to do really well. Um, and I just think, I just think with the the momentum, the downward momentum of us going into League One against all these smaller clubs that are thinking, oh, I can't wait to go and play at St Andrews. So you know I mean? get a bit of a target on your back, like. Yeah, and I think we'll. I don't think we've got the right characters in there to, to do to take that that on. You know what I mean? That's where you need someone like a, another Robbie Savage or a Jeff Horsfield, some yeah, yeah bit of fight yeah. in them. Like I, me- I remember we had when we was last down there with Barry Fry. We had this defender called Liam Daish, and he was hard as nails. He was a great defender. He was just like, it just put the boot straight through anything that was in the way. <laughs> and so if it moved, he kicked it. Yeah. He was like, kind of a bit like a Vinnie Jones type. Uh, he was he, he was a centre-back and he was he was immense. And so if, if he was playing now, he'd probably spend more time suspended than playing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's just, football's changed so much now. Uh, not half. But yeah, um, that's that sort of thing. Uh, cool. So I just want to you know, move on now to the four four you. Yeah. Um, so you got your five games. Um, so do you want to start with your first one? It's got to be Jeff first, isn't it? Sixty six. Got to be. So as far as English football goes, that's probably you know the. It does, it's it, it's the pinnacle, never, isn't it? We've never got to that position since, have we? You know, to put in that last goal in, that, that has got to be... What was he feeling when that went in the top in that top of the net? Only a minute to go. England still had no thought of being content with that one goal lead. Racing to beat the whistle, Jeff Hurst saw an opening in the defence and achieved the hat-trick. I'd, I'd, I'd love to know. They must have had one hell of a party that night. Oh, God, have. yeah. Uh, I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall. A few sore heads in the morning, definitely. Yeah. But yeah, um... to see that, uh, you know, to see that, the way he put that in the top net, I don't know whether, <laughs> sometimes I think, was it one of them where he just put his boot through and hoped for the best? Or did he actually mean to put it in there? Bobby Moore led England up to the Royal Box to receive the Jules Rimet Cup and the winner's medals. To be here as winners of the FA Cup has often been described as the summit of a footballer's ambition. How much greater was the triumph they enjoyed now? So, yeah, only one person knows, and that's him. Yeah, uh, but but that's got to be the number one. It's got to be. Yeah. For me, for me, anyway. Especially against, against you know West Germany as well, because they're always going to be like one of the like, rivals if you, you know in international football, aren't they? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think we, I think the closest we come would have been 1990, wouldn't it? In the semis again against West Germany. Yeah, in the yeah year 96. Yeah. Oh, that was, was that, a great tournament. 
I mean, yeah, so yeah, was... Euro '96, and then the World Cup back in Italy in uh, in in 1990. '90, yeah, '90, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I remember '96. '90, I was a, still a bit of a youth, but I remember '96 being in the pubs, and the pubs were just rammed for them games. It was what a fantastic summer that was. was yeah, the music imagine. was brilliant. Yeah. Football was great. I think the whole uh, the whole country was lifted by it, wasn't it? Yeah. Although we didn't really yeah. play particularly well. We yeah. still managed to get to the semi-finals. That's it, yeah. I, don't, I, remember, I always remember that uh, Gaza almost against West Oh, against uh, Germany. Against Germany, the, Germany yeah. When he slid in and you think, it's in, it's going in and it just goes past his foot. And you think, how, how on earth is he that not gone in? Do you remember so that? If he just sets off just like a split second earlier, yeah. that we comes off the bottom it. of his boot and, and goes in the back of the net, yeah. yeah. And then we don't have to suffer another penalty shootout defeat. Yeah. Uh, so sometimes I do, I do think there's a, some kind of curse on us, or the refs, or whatever, or whoever's running the game has just got something against England. Something the, the football gods don't like us that much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like the Sol, you remember the Sol Campbell goal? It never was. It Portugal. Was the world, that was in the World Cup. I think so. I'm sure that was Glenn Oddle, was it? Glenn Oddle. Oh, that, was, um, that was that um, against Argentina. Argentina, yeah. Ninety-eight. Yeah, so uh, that would have been the uh, same game where Owen scored scored that world. Yeah, where he went on that world run and, and Beckham got yeah. sent off for. Was it like two-two and it went to extra time something like that? Yeah. yeah and then that's old Campbell in extra time and he bangs it in off his head. Disallowed for offside, was it? I think. I can't remember, but I'm, I remember I'm, I remember being in the pub thinking, and everyone's just looking at each other thinking, what's going off here? <laughs> so that would have been all obviously pre-VAR, and yeah. quite a long way, so... Yeah. yeah. Um, number two? Number two, got to be Darren Carter for Birmingham City in the player final against Norwich, putting that penalty in. Yeah, I remember... That you know, we had over over. I'm sure we had over half of that ground. I'm sure we did. There was all I could see was a sea of blue. And detect that in front of all the blue noses. We have, we haven't been in top flight for what twenty odd years. And he was cool as a cucumber. I was going to say, were the penalties in front of your fans or the Norwich fans? Yeah, it was in front of ours. Yeah, I was sort of over by the halfway line next to some. Couple of Irish blokes who absolutely stunk. <laughs> really, I, I I never forget it. I just kept letting one off, and it was just horrendous. And so it, it, kept turning to me, going, "Sorry, mate," and just laughing, <laughs> and then just going again. Yeah, uh, I remember them. They had proper broad Irish accents. Uh, so I, maybe they were Blues fans. I don't know. I, I don't know. Or they were just over for the crack. I don't know. Fair um, so Carter would have only been a kid at that point, wouldn't he? Was he like yeah, early early twenties? Yeah, yeah. But I mean, it turned out to be a bit bit of a disappointment. He looked, he seemed to have a lot of potential, but he didn't quite reach where everyone thought he was going to reach. Sort um, of a, a, a nearly man sort of thing. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's at Sully or Moors now. I, I, I don't know if he still is, but he was the last or sort. Was only the last couple of seasons because they had yeah. um. I saw him play against Blackpool in the cup was on the TV a couple of seasons ago. Yeah. Um, and I remember him 
showing up on that because obviously he, he turned out for us as well, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Scoring that belter against Arsenal. Yeah. Was, uh, bit, bit of a collector's item. Yeah. Now, he, um, he was a good player. I, I think he had a lot more potential. He could have gone further than he did. Um, I well, putting, the, that, putting the ball in it for, for the Blue Noses, that was like, that was, I remember it, we just, everyone just went absolutely crazy. So that puts him to hero status straight away, doesn't it? Yeah, he'll always he'll always be thought of as a hero, won't he? So like um, being a local boy, he's, he's a Blues fan as well, isn't he? Yeah, Blues fan, yeah. Exactly, so for yeah. having well, that well, moment, to, as I say, no. to put ball on the spot in a playoff final for your team, yeah. to and score it. Was it. The, was the penalty that kind of decided it. If yeah. he missed it, but it would have, Norwich would have took another one. Darren Carter is the man who comes forward to take the £40 million kick. A baby. Bottled, isn't it? That is bottled. A mere baby when Birmingham City were last promoted to the top flight in 1985. A lifetime ago. Darren Carter for the Premiership. The Premiership! Uh, I say, it's, uh, you can only imagine how much, you know, what was going through his head, the nerves yeah. and what have you. I'm pretty sure we went, it was us that went 1 0 down in that game as well. Um, trying to... Pretty sure. And it was Horsfield that equalised. I'm sure I had that written down, to be fair. Um, yeah, you won 4 2 on penalties. Yeah, I'm um, sure it finished 1 1. Yeah, yeah, I think it was nil nil going into ninety minutes, and yeah, they scored quite early on. Yeah, in extra time, and then yeah. Dawesfield in like hundred and something minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kenner, John, Horsfield, equaliser. It's going to the wire again, and Jeff Horsfield, whose goal took them into the playoffs. Back on terms in the That's the thing that you go beyond an extra time and you think, oh crap, you know, we've come this far. After, <laughs> yeah, after your 46 yeah. game season, you've yeah. you know gone through a two-leg semi-final, then the final yeah. another 90 minutes, and then uh that'll just be heartbreaking. So you, you suppose you find that extra gear, don't you? That's it, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm sure we were actually we played quite well, I'm sure we did. I don't I don't I don't remember thinking, God, we were lucky to win this. I, yeah. I'm sure we we played well. So, all right, um, two down, three to go. So, your third choice? Uh, for me, it's got to be John Gale. I don't know if you remember John Gale, big John Gale. No, it's not, now, he was a guy. Now, we'd been in the doldrums in Division 3, and we actually got to Wembley in that, the Leyland Daft Cup. Which it was, which was 1991 season. So I'd only just started following them. Next minute, I'm at, at the old Wembley watching them for a sea of blues fans. You know, I've been down, I've been down to St Andrews, and there's like I don't know eight, eight, ten thousand. And next minute, we're at Wembley, and we've got ridiculous. It's not over half the ground. It was, it was just a sea of blue. And then we were playing Tranmere. 
and they had like a little corner <laughs> in Wembley. It was just a sea of blue, and we were behind the goal. Uh, I was with my dad, and we went two 0 up. John Gall scored first. Then it was Simon Sturridge. Second half, they they got back to two two, uh, and then our striker, big John Gale, we used to call him. And uh, you have to look look it up on the on YouTube. It is one of the best goals you'll see at Wembley. Yeah, it's oh, like yeah. a it's kind of a bit of like um kind of an overrated kick thing, and it went straight in the corner. And it's a stunning goal. It's I'll, I'll never forget that goal. Sometimes I just go on YouTube just to. Have a look again. Just to give you those goosebumps on your eyes. Yeah. Big John Gale, and uh, you know he, he was he was a good striker in that in that tier. Yeah, you know. The free kick drilled in towards Overson. There's Gale, and he's done it again. Fabulous strike by Gale. He goes off to receive the acclaim. Supporters, two goals for John. And then um, it was, I mean, it was at the time, it was such a everyone was like laughing at you know, oh, and Daft Cup, what's that? It's like a Mickey Mouse trophy. But to Blues fans, it was a big deal because we, you know, we hadn't been Wembley for years, and uh, that was a great day. We won 3 2. It was just a fantastic day, and, and that I'd say that was the beginning of the, the rise that we yeah. had. Is that um, long after that we had the Sullivan come in and uh, the Gold Brothers, Karen Brady, and they started tarting up the ground. And is that the that line that was that the one the, the EFL Cup now? Is it is that the same? That's the one, yeah, 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 yeah. So it, it yeah, changes like changes name really year on year, and a lot of the League Cup does. Yeah, yeah, sponsorships yeah, and what have you. Yeah, I mean. What's your thoughts, actually? Let me ask you a question. I think, personally, although we, Blues won the League Cup, I think the League Cup should be scrapped. Um, because I just think it's just too too many games. I, I don't know, because, I mean, it, it is... It, it's a trophy. You know, it's, it's another yeah. crack at silverware. And, you know, it's a route into Europe as well. So, you know, given how the, the bigger teams, like your... your usual top four, six or what have you, you know, don't always yeah. take it as seriously. It, it is a chance for like, you know, so when, when you won it for yeah. um, a, a lesser team to, to have yeah. a go. Um, I just wish we'd take it more seriously at times, you know, because I say chance of silverware in Europe. So I, I'd, I'd probably lean towards keeping it. I'd, a, I'd say, a, lot, a lot of clubs don't, like you say, don't take it serious, do they? Uh, but then again, some of the youth teams of the bigger clubs are more than capable of beating a lot of teams starting 11 or first 11. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so you've got what, Man City could probably put about three or four teams out and each one of them would probably turn over a good half of the Premier League, wouldn't they? Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah. Um, so that's three gone. Um, choice number four. Number four. Uh, I'd say um, that penalty um, Stuart Pearce scored in '96 against Spain. Yeah, because he obviously like in '99 he he missed that one. He'd go over the bar or something. 
and the people are always on his back. Do you remember? And yeah. I remember he put that in and he like turned to the crowd and he got. They used to call him psycho, didn't they? Yeah, well, it, was, it was that release, wasn't it? I think because he'd yeah. been carrying that around for like six years. Yeah. Which you know, it's, it's not that long, really, but you know, when I suppose when you're a footballer. When yeah. you go to you know away grounds, or, or even you know when you're at home and the away fans just constantly remind you about it. Yeah. And to to put that one to bed, you know, three well, it would have been three tournaments later, wouldn't it? Because you got Euro '92, World Cup '94, which we didn't qualify for, then the '96. Yeah. So yeah. to go through that, yeah. So that took some bottle as well to do that. Definitely, yeah, definitely. Oh, that's I always remember that moment when he turns. He turns to the the cameras on him, and he turns around, and he they used to call him psycho, didn't they? Yeah. And he just looked like he was going to explode. <laughs> oh, that will tear the cameraman's head off or something. Yeah, yeah. Something was going to happen one way or the other. Yeah. So, but that was um, that fair play to him because he was still at Forest at that point, I think. I think so, yeah. I, I, mem- I remember that, that game against Spain being like, we played quite well up until that game and then we were playing Spain and we played, we were awful. I, I'm sure we didn't deserve to win it. I'm sure. That's the thing. Right, I say penalties were a lottery at the best of times, didn't they? So, you know, oh, when it comes yeah. to your country. <laughs> we just dread it, don't you know? Yeah. As soon as you get into extra time, it's like, Christ, just let the next half hour just go and let just someone win it. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, Final choice then? Number five. I think what we springs to mind. I remember when I first started taking notice notice of football, watching it with my dad as a youth. Blues were hardly ever on the telly. You know, so it took quite a lot for me to follow blues because you could never see the buggers unless my dad took them. They were never on the telly. Um, but I can't remember what, what the year was. But Liverpool, I think that all they had to do was draw to win the title. And Arsenal were playing at Arsenal at home. And if Arsenal won, they won the title. Just the Michael Thomas goal. That's the one, yeah. Yeah, it was the um, was it late late eighties or early nineties? Yeah, it's um, it's around that time. Yeah, so I think was that the that was, it was still Division One at that point, wasn't it? So it was pre ninety two. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure did they win the did Liverpool win the title before then? But they didn't win a title until they did last year. Yeah, because it had been about thirty years, hadn't it, till yeah. the one last season? Yeah. And I just remember watching it with my dad as a kid. And I just remember the t- whole tension of the game. And you had like absolute like great footballers in that match. Yeah, you know, Ian Rush, Houghton, Beardsley. And I just me- I remember Liverpool absolutely hammering Arsenal constantly, mm-hmm. trying to score, and then they get that breakaway goal. And I just I just remember the whole shock. Even the commentator was shocked. He couldn't, he couldn't believe what was going on. Didn't Arsenal have that um, 
was it a yellow away kit with JVC on it? Yeah, the classic one. It's got yeah. like yellow and black. So it was triangles or something? Yeah, something like that, yeah. It's a classic shirt. Yeah, because I'm, I'm trying to think now, because last year was, I think it was 30 years since Liverpool won it, so that would have been like 89, 90. Yeah. So I'm thinking it might have been 88, 89, possibly, without without looking it up. I mean, yeah. probably should know it, to be fair. But yeah, yeah. yeah. But... I just remember, I just remember watching it on telly and, and the whole drama of it. Um, Dreaming forward now, and surely what will be their last attack? A good ball by Dixon, finding Smith for Thomas, charging through the midfield. Thomas, it's up for grabs now. Thomas, right at the end. An unbelievable climax to the league season. Well into injury time, the Liverpool players are down, absolutely abject. And the tension of it, I, I just remember thinking, like, your jaw was on the floor. Just <laughs> thinking, what is going on here? Arsenal, uh, Liverpool absolutely hammered Arsenal here. And they've just kind of scored a breakaway goal. And it's like... Yeah, thanks, but not thanks. You just, I, I always remember it, always remember it. And... What would it have felt like for that bloke that put the ball in it, he, Thomas? He, he must have been like, but that must be. I mean, I'd love to be in like in you know to have that feeling like that. Yeah. It's got to be amazing, isn't it? For so long, it seemed in command. Set the final whistle. Arsenal, the champions. Having never seen goal, one team win the, the league, I wouldn't. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, like you say, if they're getting battered and then just to do that on the break and then yeah. I say, I'm, know, I'm yeah. sure that was, um, was it Graham? What was his George, manager? George Graham. George Graham, he was a manager, and that was the that was the era when Arsenal had that amazing back four. How was it? Uh, Dixon, so had Adams, uh, Keown, Keown, no, or or Steve Bold, Steve center off. Yeah, and you and had uh, Lee Dixon right hand side, Lee Nigel Winterburn left. We, that's it. Yeah, yeah. And yes. they had this amazing back four. It would have been the key. They were, they were, point. I always remember they were always games, Arsenal games, or I've finished one nil or nil nil. That's where I was. One nil to the Arsenal come from, isn't it? That's it. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think of the key. Would it, I think Seaman was a little bit after that. Would it have been like John Lukic or someone like that? Yeah, that rings about Lukic. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so, okay. Well, that's your your five choices. Just a little bit of a a fun one to to, to end up with. Um, yeah. You're in a band, five members. Yeah. But they've all got to be footballers. Who'd you pick? <laughs> oh man, George Best. Because he's bound, to, he's bound to get the ladies, you know. He? <laughs> what, what what would he be though? Is he like singer, drummer? George what we're we saying. George Best is going to be the front man, isn't he? Makes sense. Yeah, he's got to be, isn't he? <laughs> a bit, bit more of a, a Mick Jagger type, you think? Yeah, am more in the band as well. You say? Um, or is it? Or is it just band? I, of, no. Of... Yeah, no. You you pick one. Um. So George Best on singing. Guitarist, who could have guitarists? I'm going to end up going for the old 70s footballers here because they were like 
<laughs> I loved a good point, didn't they? Of the rock and roll era. That's it, yeah. Like the glam rock era. Oh, what was that? Oh, what was the guy that played in for Leeds in the middle of the park? Bremner. Billy Bremner, Scottish Billy chap. Bremner. Yeah, he'd be my drummer. He'd be my drummer. <laughs> I can imagine those skins taking a bit of a pounding, to be fair, if he's, he's on the end of the sticks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it'd be like animal, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so look, he'd be my He'd make animals from the Muppets look calm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I'd have the Glenoddle on the keyboards. Okay, so you're going for keys then. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in, my, in my later, as I've progressed through music, I've started to realise keyboards actually do quite, quite a good thing to, to your tune. Yeah. <laughs> they kind of fill out the uh, the gaps. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, so, yeah. So, how many more have we got? Another two? Another two, yeah. You get, so, you've got singer, drummer and keyboard. So, you need so a guitarist, have... ideally. Huh? need a guitarist, ideally. Let's put, all right. So, bass player. Let's have a bass player. I'm okay. going to go for uh, Frank Worthington. Okay. Yeah, and then, oh, yeah, uh, that's it. I'm, I'll have um, Savage as guitarist. Bit, bit of a crazy horse. Yeah. Imagine, we can, I can just see him with a, a guitar and his long blonde hair. You, say, you, you could probably slot him into, I don't know, say like Def Leppard or something, couldn't you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So those, uh, those. Well, I think he's cut them off now. But you know, from obviously when he was playing with you, he was like yeah. the longer the, the yeah. Samson locks. So that's what we've got: Bremner drums. Yep. Hard door keyboard. Uh, who had the bass? Frank Worthington. Frank Worthington bass. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Savage guitarist. George Best a singer. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll just I'll, I'll just do the um, the backing vocals. That's it. Well, you could manage it. That, <laughs> imagine trying to uh, stop them from getting pissed up at a party. Yeah, I, I, I think I'll pass on that. <laughs> <laughs> Fair dues. <laughs> but now, um, yeah, I'll say that's, think... that's got to be a great band, that hasn't it? It'd be um, it'd be interesting to say the least. But obviously, Hoddle <laughs> has got musical experience anyway, hasn't he? That's it. That's why I picked him because he's got that uh, diamond. Is it Diamond Knights? Do- diamond Lights, Diamond Knights. Like that, that could, really could be diamond white. Just go and have a drink after. <laughs> yeah, I can just see him with his mullet in, 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 behind a keyboard. <laughs> Got big shoulder pads from the eighties, like. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That, uh, that's that's an interesting lineup. To be fair, I mean, I'd, I'd pay to see them. I reckon. <laughs> so would I. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But um, well, I say that's pretty much drawn it to a, a close now. So, Dean, thank you very much for coming on and. Um, yeah, hopefully catch up with you soon, and hopefully yeah, get to uh, you can get back on the road and do what you yeah do what you want to so. do. Thanks so, for uh, having yeah. me. It's been great. No pleasure to have you on. Thank you very much for taking the time. Nice one, mate. Sound right. I'll leave you to it. Cheers, Dean. Cheers, mate. See right. you. Huge thanks to Dean for joining me on the podcast. Uh, Links for his music can be found in the episode description and are well worth checking out. Uh, Now for the poem from footballpoets.org. This is called My Love for Birmingham City by Gemma. 
I love the sound of the roaring crowd, the loud booming voices singing aloud, the cheer as the boys run onto the pitch, the empty seat from the missing snitch. I'd hate blues to play if I wasn't there, the frustration or joy I need to share. We may not be the best, but the sacrifice I'll make, I'd rather be a true fan than a, than be a fake. Next season, I will carry on supporting my team, whichever league we are in or how unhappy I seem. I love Birmingham City with all of my heart, and at the end of the season, I wait till the start of the next journey through the sun and the rain, when the tears of joy and sadness start again. Thank you for listening to this episode of the podcast. Much appreciated. If you'd like to submit something to Football Poets or just have a general browse, uh, they can be found at www.footballpoets.org. Alternatively, they can be found on Twitter at Football Poets. And if you want to get in touch with the podcast, uh, you can do via email, which is projfoot at gmail.com. So P-R-O-J-F-O-O-T at gmail.com. Uh, on Twitter at proj underscore foot or on Facebook at facebook.com slash project football. Again, thank you very much for listening. We've now reached full time. Goodbye and take care.